This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always. Really excited to have back across the board, Mr. Jeff Abercrombie. Jeff, welcome back. I know you were on vacation. You missed episode 500. We missed you when we celebrated it. How are you doing this evening, my friend? Well, disappointed that I, I couldn't get into that mock draft and and really just party with you all for 500. But um, you know, we had a little family vacation. We went back to Ireland. I saw, you know, I saw I have extended family out there, and you know, we just it was really good to take my daughter and just. You know, it was really the first time I've been back in like a decade. So, um, you know, I, I think I I checked in on it and uh, I didn't have a place to record. It was like 2 a.m. out there. So I uh, I caught up after the fact. And, uh, you know, that was a great episode. Well, we are glad to have you back. We joked on that show that hopefully here to another 500 more. So we'll make sure you are there for 1,000 whenever that happens down the line. And we're really excited this evening to be joined I did my IDP rankings the other day, but IDP rankings is something that I kind of dabble in. I evaluate the players for the draft projections notebook, you know, but we obviously focus more of our time here on the offensive side and the offensive rookies. But I am fascinated with the IDP side of it. I'm fascinated with the rookies. That's why I wanted to share my rankings that I have been using for myself in, in my IDP rookie drafts, you know, mixed in with the offensive guys. But we wanted to do one more show where we really brought in somebody that specializes on the IDP side to pick his brain about a lot of these really intriguing prospects. So we're really excited uh, to have Kyle Bellyfuel, writer for IDP Guys and co-host of the IDP Nation podcast, joining us today. Kyle, welcome here to the Saturday Sunday Football Podcast. Yeah, oh, thanks for having me, guys, man. Um, I'm excited to be here and uh, chat with you guys. And, uh, dude, congrats on 500 episodes. That's that's freaking awesome, man. Thank um, you so much. And that's uh, amazing. Yeah, it's it's been it's been it's been quite the journey. Uh, and it, you know, I don't think when uh, me and and Matt Caraccio and Nick Whalen started this way back when, you know, I don't I don't think we ever envisioned over the years that we would have gotten to 500 and we would have gotten to where we are. So it's kind of been a wild. Uh, and fun ride as something that we're strongly passionate about as, as a side hobby to uh, our regular lives yeah. that we have. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun. And, and really, honestly, the best thing that's come from it is the connections. We, you know, meeting people who are in the industry, whether they do it as a side thing as well, or people who are, you know, full timers and, and, and it's their career. Uh, you know, that's really been the best part of it here at Saturday, Sunday, and just get, gaining information and, and talking to people and learning and using it as a tool. Uh, so I'm really excited to have you on tonight because someone who, you know, the IDP world is is a challenging one because I, I talked about on the beginning of my last show that it really is so much about league settings and scoring mm. and, and positional designations. And I know this year, true position is a thing that's gaining some steam in, in MFL mm. that's out there that's really changing the narrative a little bit in terms of IDP. Uh, so, so it's just great to have you, you know, here uh, this evening with us. So, Jeff, let me turn it over to you. Why don't you kind of lead us into the, the first uh, topic that we kind of want to bring up here uh, to Kyle and kind of pick his brain about. Yeah, and I think maybe just as a, a loose structure, give Kyle just, um, you know, a, a, a little bit of, uh, you know, direction for, you know, for so we don't bounce around too randomly here. Um, I was thinking maybe we could uh, take your, your rankings from last show, Paul, kind of pull them into like a Tear Busters episode. Um, and then, you know, let Kyle just work his magic. Um, <laughs> so if, if we were looking at like tier blusters, um, let's start with our, our defensive line, our edge players. Um, you mentioned, you know, it's really hard, uh, to, you know, rank and grade IDPs based on positional designations. But, you know, I think we tend to lump in all edge rushers into the defensive line and we kind of got D tackles lumped in there as well. And we'll just, you know, generally make notes if we think um, they're someone to keep an eye on for D tackle premium leagues. But, you know, even all of that considered our, our tier one, you know, and I think a general tier one consensus out there would be Eden Hutchinson, Eden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau and Trayvon Walker. And just to kick us off, I wanted to get the temperature on where you lie with, with Trayvon Walker, Kyle. Yeah. Um, 
you know, like we were talking before the show there in DMs, like he's probably the most polarizing IDP rookie, you know, of, of this entire group. And this edge class is really talented. Um, you know, I when I first watched Walker, I uh, first like run through just getting to, getting to know these guys. I you know I watched as much college football as I can. You know, uh, Saturday I always dedicate Sunday to NFL, so I pick my battles on Saturdays and how much I can watch and whatnot. But um, anyway, uh, the the first person that got got my alert up on on Teron Walker was Dane Brugler was was on him early, and uh, I mean Dane Brugler is one of the best in the business and for my money. Um, so I went back and rewatched him again, and um, you know, like I. I immediately just like didn't realize how much he did across that line. Um, you know, he, he, I thought he was he, he, off the edge. He's more of a, you know, a power guy, you know, he has really powerful upper and low, upper and lower halves. And then you could see him kick inside as a three tech. And he was just, he could overwhelm guards cause he's got that length and that power in his hands and that explosive thought to snap. So he, I mean, he was a really tough inside and I thought he was a stout run defender on, on, on the interior and off the edge. And I really started to appreciate how athletic he really is for a guy of his size. And then there was even, um, I can't remember what game it was. He had a couple of coverage drops. I'm like, Jesus, you know, he wasn't outstanding, but it was good enough, you know, where they were comfortable putting out there for just a few snaps, but it just kind of got a feel for how athletic he really is. And then he goes on and explodes on the combine. You know, there was a lot of before pre combine, like talk that he was starting to build some steam and then he delivered. Um, So he's kind of tough because the production um, isn't, isn't quite what you'd want out of a first overall pick. You know, that's one of the bigger arguments with them. Um, when you have a guy like Aiden Hutchinson sitting there and then, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau has been a, a hot ticket item for, for a while here at Oregon as a, as a potential number one pick. But um, so I guess, I mean, I, I, I started to like Walker the more I watched and um, I, I mean, a spoiler, I guess Aiden Hutchinson would have been my first overall pick, but I, I do understand what, the thought process is behind Javon Walker. If you think, you know, the progression is going to happen with his, his skill set as a, as a pass rusher. Cause I just don't, you know, my one thing, one knock and, and you hear it a lot is, is his pass rush repertoire isn't just, isn't developed. He relies a lot on, you know, speed to power and, and using his length. He doesn't quite have the counters and all that, but I mean, you you would think if you're taking him one overall, that that's something you feel he can develop. And, and I think he can get there. So I'm, you know, while he may, maybe he wasn't my first overall pick, it, it doesn't mean he wasn't worthy, you know, to, to people that are way smarter than me, NFL evaluators as well. You know, um, it, it's definitely a divisive for, first overall pick. You know, it, we've seen plenty about it, but, um, you know, he's, he's been talking how, you know, at, at Georgia, he's done a lot of things and they do different stuff with their fronts. And in Jacksonville right now, he's playing outside linebacker and he's focusing on one thing. And I think that's going to be a really, a really good thing for him just to, you know, start honing his skills a little bit. Cause I think I, to me, he's a player who you're going to have to be patient. I think the sacks will come. There's just, I think there's a lot to work with there. So I guess I'm more. Well, yeah. You know, you, on him. Yeah. You talk about the projection a lot. Um, and I think one yeah. of, that's one of the reasons people have been fading him in their rookie mm-hmm. drafts or, sure. or, you know, their fantasy lens, but you know, Paul, you know, talked a lot about last week, um, and Paul, I let you chime in here, but are we underestimating his uh, tackle production floor? Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, when I when I did my rankings, you know, I had him at number two after Hutchinson, but I did say that I think his ceiling is the highest of the mm-hmm. three. And I even think his floor may be higher than Thibodeau. And obviously I want Thibodeau to be a flat out superstar as a Giants fan. I think he's going to be a good player. You know, I I truly do. But when you're talking fantasy, I do think the tackle production will gravitate towards Trayvon Walker. I think he's an elite run stuffer, whether he's Mm -hmm. lined up at a linebacker, whether he he comes down and plays some three tech, traditional defensive end, they're going to probably use him in a variety of ways. Mm -hmm. You know, so that was, and for me, I don't look at, Hutchinson or Thibodeau and think they're going to be 15 sack guys. If, if somebody thinks they're going to be 15 sack guys, then I, I don't think you could have Trayvon Walker ahead of those. That's just my take. But mm-hmm. I think they're more 10, 12 sack guys. And I think that's very good, but I'm not sure these guys are, you know, the Bosa brothers or in terms of what type of maybe elite production we might see at some point. Could they have one year, but I don't think they're going to be guys that are in that 14 to 16 sack range. I just, so for me, I, I do think that if Trayvon Walker could ever get to double-digit sacks, 
it might allow him to be the best of this trio. And I could totally understand someone taking Hutchinson or even Thibodeau first, either one of them. But what I guess my biggest issue was, and maybe it was just in my one IDP draft that I've so far done, is there seemed to be this huge separation between them where Hutchinson went in the first round, Thibodeau went in the second round, and I came back in the middle of the third round to get Trayvon Walker. That like is that is that kind of what's going on in the industry? Is there that much separation, Kyle, from what you've seen or read? You know, if you're if you're maybe a little bit more in tune with what's going on there in terms of what people are doing in, in rookie drafts with IDPs. And do you think there should be separation like that? Because when you're we talking about him, it sounds like you know you're definitely intrigued by him. Do you think the unknown from that production warrants the separation where sometimes it feels like Hutchinson, Thibodeau, and then a drop-off almost in his own tier to Trayvon Walker, or do you think he should be close to them coming off the board? Uh, yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I, and I'm seeing that <clears throat> that separation in drafts, too, the ones I've been in. Um, you see, I've seen a, a Hutch come off the board late first um, in a few, and then Thibodeau is not far behind. You know, it, it's in the leagues where he's designated defensive ends. There's the whole, you know, linebacker, defensive, and what you're playing type thing. But um, yeah, and then Trevon Walker does go at least around later. You know, into the third, late third sometimes. And um, yeah, I I don't think the set. I mean, I understand people are a bit weary because you know if you look at the numbers, yeah, okay, you know, like you're not. You, you compare Aiden Hutchinson's year to his and you're like, holy smokes, but you're just looking at numbers. Then you, you have to, I, I'm intrigued with Walker's upside as a pass rusher. Cause we haven't even seen the best yet. You know what he does, he does well, you know, he's got the length and the power to drive guys straight back in the NFL. You got to use a little more than that because those offensive linemen get India and it's, you know, it's tough. Um, but no, I, I think the separation's a little much. I, I understand where people are coming from a little bit, but I, yeah, I mean, I, I think it creates a good value on getting Trayvon Walker in drafts too. Um, so I kind of like that, <laughs> but, um, yeah, the gap, the gap is a little far for me. Well, I mean, well. I, 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 it's good to hear. Cause it sounds like he, he's still going to be in your tier one, uh, you know, whether, where, however order you get it, usually you'll probably end up with Walker just because of the value that you're going to get there. Um, but I've heard of some, you know, dropping them down, you know, alongside, you know, Jermaine Johnson, George Karloftis, you know, and in that, you know, dropping them a whole tier. And it just think um, how far out on a limb, you know, are, you know, if that's kind of the representation of the, the quote unquote IDP industry, just, just how far on a limb are they, you know, thinking they're that much smarter than NFL GMs, you know, who, cause it wasn't just, you know, bulky, but like many teams intrigued with them at the top of the draft there. And, you know, maybe Hutchinson goes one. I wouldn't be surprised Walker was going to there. Just, you know, it it was really interesting projection of tools and, and in a draft that had a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I like those other guys, too. I, I'm a big Jermaine Johnson fan as well. Um, he, he went later than, you know, a lot of people anticipated. Uh, absolutely. Um, and, I, and I do like Karloftis, but um, I actually I had those guys kind of together and I was you know it's IDP rankings are so fluid and then you you look at the different schemes and stuff and opportunities and um I'm you know walkers was with them moving around and and I got him above them guys right now um you know I, I I'm I, I talk myself more into how intrigued I am with Trayvon Walker and what he could be and wanting to hit that ceiling you know if, if he fully gets there you know he, he could he could really be a problem, you know, because I think his his skill against the run is going to translate right away. Uh, the dude's stout, and you know, once that pass rush catches up, he he, he could be tough. And they can get super creative with him. You know, I I thought he was an awesome three tech. I don't necessarily think he's going to play there a super ton. I don't think you draft the guy first overall to play him a good chunk of snaps, but they'll kick him in there, I'm sure, and he's going to be a problem inside. Um, so uh, you know, I, I I definitely like the value on Walker and drafts as well. Um, and uh, I'm intrigued, you know, I can't wait to, to see how he progresses. Before we kind of transition to that next tier, we started talking a little bit about Jermaine Johnson and uh, Karloftis, and I kind of want to pick your brain there. Let's just go back to Aiden Hutchinson and, and Thibodeau. Uh, we made, it sounded like you thought those guys should be pretty close. Do you have a preference? Mm-hmm. Is it is it with the Hutchinson one because you think he's a little safer? Do you think the upside's higher or is it the ceiling floor? Is it, maybe talk us 
real quick through Hutchinson and Thibodeau, who you prefer more if you think it's, you know, you're, you're fine getting either one of them, you know, or if, if you were, you know, had a pick between them, would it be the same guy every time? Would it, would it kind of be something like, oh, maybe I'll take Hutchinson in this one, Thibodeau in the next one, uh, or, or you have a clear number one to, at the top of yours? Um, yeah, I would I would say I like both players a lot, and I have for a while. I would say Hutchinson's my one, and maybe out of I w- I wouldn't be against taking Thibodeau just to have. I think he's going to be a good player as well, and I you know it's fun to own good players as fantasy football, you know. Um, but I, I mean, I would take I, I've taken Hutchinson over Thibodeau every time so far. So, um, but I think Thibodeau should go right after him, and there might come the time where I want to switch it up as well. Um, I I have him that close, but but uh, Hutchinson's my my number one. Um, for sure. He's been there and he's going to stay there. I, I just think he's so rock solid in everything he does. And I think that um, the thing with him was maybe there was a little draft fatigue, you know, and I know he's not the bendiest. He's not a quite a, a pure speed rusher, which you're used to with those top pass rushers. But I mean, he is super explosive in, in his pass rush moves. I mean, he's got, he's, he's got a good bag there. He goes to, he's, he's got the faint inside jab outside move dip and rip, and he can stack and shed with the best of them. So I just think he's a total pack because he's rock solid. And I, I agree with you, Paul, when you said you don't see him as a 15-sack guy. I, I agree with that as well with Hutchinson. I have him as a 10-12 to 12 guy as well. I, you know, maybe maybe a few more here or there. But, yeah, I, I, I agreed with, with that as well with them um, being more in that range. Yeah, I just don't see a bust factor for Hutchinson. Like, I, I can't yeah. I can't fast forward five years and think in Hutchinson is like a complete bust. And like, you know, yeah. like, I just don't see that. Like, even if he does even if he doesn't live up to maybe being the number two pick in the draft, I still I still consider him like he's gonna be an eight sack guy at bare minimum. Sure. He's gonna yeah. be eight sacks, he's gonna yeah. be high tackle numbers, yep. you know, in terms of a DE. He's gonna he's gonna be a guy that, you know, he he's I don't see that not being the case. And I don't think Thibodeau is gonna bust, but if I was gonna say who's got a higher bust bus factor i would definitely say it's more thibodeau than it is hutchinson you know just based on what we've you know in terms of their work ethic and i think thibodeau was a little bit wrongfully kind of like you know he he saw a lot of backlash and even in new york i know it like you know all the coverage you know there seemed to kind of like pick up steam and just kind of you know it kind of ran with the media a little bit in in terms of him you know being talked about a lot in terms of his character and stuff and and yeah listen i think he's got a big you know, he's got a big personality and wants to be a star mm-hmm. after football, but I, I think he knows he's got to deliver on the football field if he wants to actually become that mega star off the football field. And I think he kind of gets that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe New York's the perfect place. He can kind of follow in the footsteps of Michael Strahan maybe at some point, and, and New York yeah. would be real happy about that. Uh, let's pivot to that Jermaine Johnson, George Karloftis. Do you kind of have them in your own tier Kyle, or do you kind of put some of the, the next wave of guys with them, or do you kind of put like the uh, Arnold Abichetti, Boy Mafe, throw David Ajabo into the mix, or that group? Like, do you kind of have Karloftis and Johnson, those other two first round guys, kind of like in their own tier, and then the, the second round type guys, or do you kind of have them lumped in a little bit of a bigger tier? Um, I would say for the most part, I have Jermaine Johnson, Karloftis, and Abichetti kind of grouped together. I like this. I'd like to slide a Jabu in there just based off. You're going to, you're going to have to wait though. You know what I mean? I'm going to take those guys ahead of them. I'm a bit, I'm a Michigan fan. So I, it, I can be a bit of a truther obviously, but um, I think a was a, was a top 20 pick talent wise. And I know he had his flaws in, in, and his, uh, his shortcomings, you know, he's against the run. He didn't quite, develop yet he, he was inexperienced but as a pass rusher for a guy with limited experience he was so advanced for a guy who didn't have a ton of experience there the the, the way he could set up his counters he could cr- he could literally jab step and cross your face before you even knew it and he'd swipe your hand and it's over he just had such twitch to his game so i always want to put a job with those guys but i do let him slide the injury scares me because i feel like i can keep getting him later and stash him but i, I kind of solidly have jermaine johnson carl Loftus, and, and uh Ebiketti in in that tier um I was always a Carl Loftus fan. Uh, the dude is a straight tactician with his hands. Uh, he's super technical pass rusher, a lot of power. Um, you know, he's got counters, swipes, punches. Like, he he just wins. And um, and Jermaine Johnson, you know, the one-year production, but his year at Florida State, I mean, what, 70 tackles, 11 and a half sacks. He just – he knew he had to transfer and produce, get out of that stacked Georgia line, and he just delivered. And and I, I was – I came away impressed with his day, too, with how good of a run defender he was, which I really liked. Um to see, you know, he was, he kind of has the full package 
maybe not the bendiest guy, but you know, I, I thought he used his length well to, to get leverage, and uh, I, I thought he was a pretty good run defender. And Ebiketti, the more I watched, the more I just was like, this dude's got juice, man. Like just uh, his get off, and, and he's got length, and uh, he's a problem getting up the field. And that Atlanta defensive and edge group is uh it hasn't been very good for a while and they needed some juice and uh there's a big opportunity for him if he can uh you know show he's ready because i mean they signed lorenzo carter who's fine and, and it's a, he's probably obviously an upgrade over like steven means and uh the dante fowler experiment that uh did not work out so um yeah so i i, I and i like johnson in, in uh in salah with salah there in the jets um I think he'll mix really well with Carl Austin and, and a guy like John Franklin Myers. And, and, uh, and then just, he's, you know, scheme wise, Carl Loftus with the chiefs uh, it is a big role for him there across from Frank Clark. Cause the rest of that group uh, defensive ends pretty, pretty weak. Never hurts to have a guy like Chris Jones uh, on the interior taking on, <laughs> taking up, taking on doubles. <laughs> no, no, that usually frees up a lot of production. Yeah. Yeah. I have to give Paul a lot of credit because um, he does a draft notebook, you know, for the NFL draft every year. And, you know, I, I heard Paul talk about Abiketti as mm. one of those guys, you know, you kind of had it as a target for the giants. If they didn't take an, uh, an edge with their top two picks, Paul, that that was one of those guys that you thought they'd be able to get top around two. And the upside that he brought was just as much as, as say, you know, a Jermaine Johnson or George Karloftis. I think you might've even liked him pre-draft nice. over Karloftis, right, Paul? Yeah, I did. I, I was a fan of, uh, Mafe and uh, Evichetti just, you know, I, I tend to look for the guys with a little bit more explosion, Ben, first mm, step explosion. Yeah. I think Karloff is a great player, but I just would what the Giants system is now going to be with Wink Martindale. I just mm-hmm. thought he's more of a traditional four three defensive end. The old Giants teams, I think yeah. Karloff would have fit that better. And if we're if they're going to be more again there's nothing in terms of base packages anymore. Everything's so different and dramatic yeah. and, you know, yeah. and exotic blitzes and stuff like that. But in terms of what I think Martindale wants from his edges, I, I thought a guy like Mafe or Abichetti, if if they didn't get, you know, a guy like Thibodeau or Jermaine Johnson around one would have been a little bit more ideal for that. So, but, I, but I think Karloftis was also a great value for the chiefs where they, where they eventually mm-hmm. got him. I mean, this guy started the process as a top 10 pick. I always thought yeah. that was a little rich for my blood, but I still thought maybe he was the guy who could go around the 20, 18, yeah, 22 and he yeah. falls to the end of the round so i think that'll be a pretty uh you know impactful player there for for the chiefs for sure uh jeff any final questions for kyle on the on the d line edge group yeah i do i mean um i mean ojabo i think is is just an interesting you know conversation that you know we yeah. may not want to get into just because i think it's it's there right it's what do you do with that injury and the upside yeah and, and patience and waiting and and how do you build your rosters I think it's mm-hmm. more of that type of question. And, you know, we we get that on the offensive side too. But Paul mentioned a name that he loves, loved, especially pre-draft, is Boye Mafe. And he's not, he's one of those names that you didn't hit in this tier. And, and I actually have some questions as well, but I, I really want to hear what you have to say about Boye Mafe and why he wasn't kind of in this group of names for you. Uh, he's definitely close. Uh, I do like, it's not that I don't like Mafe. I just have these guys in a tier above um, I, that you look at that Seattle pass rush in it. It needs help. I mean, I, I like Daryl Taylor. Um, I think he could be something, uh, but like, you know, like LJ Collier, Alton Robinson, you know, those guys are rotational pieces. Um, I like boy. Moff. I think he, you know, he blew up the combine as well. Like everybody expected. I, I I'm saying I like those exciting guys with the, the juice off the edge, the explosion, the bend, you need that to win the NFL, man. It's, you know, those offensive linemen are large dudes. They get their hands on you. It, it could be game over. Right. So you, you gotta get, you gotta get by before they get their mitts on you. And Mafe can do that. Um, I could see him. he's my next, he's right after Evichetti. You know what I mean? Um, you know, that Seattle, uh, I know their defense is, is, is shifting. So I, you know, I could see Mafe getting into this tier because, you know, the traditional Pete Carroll defense was rotate those edge rushers. And none of them were real great, but so maybe that's why part of it, but it was kind of their scheme too. But, you know, if, if Mafe say he, even if they did that and he was their lead guy and he hit that like 70% mark, right. That, which is generally what like, you know, make a Carlos Dunlap when he was playing, he was mid 60% range. I mean, he could be, he, he could be real solid and you know, the competition there isn't much. I mean, him and Daryl Taylor are by far my two favorite pass rushers and um, the rest of those guys, you know, if Mafe couldn't beat those guys out, I'd be worried, you know, type deal. So, um, <laughs> Yeah, and, and they're transitioning that defense. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do like Mafe a lot. I could see him 
moving into this tier for me easily. Um, yeah, I mean, the, you you hit on the my concern is is again like the the heavy rotation that they've mm-hmm. employed there for like, I mean, pretty much a decade. But um, yeah. are you seeing signs that you that of of a change that you might expect to see? You know, maybe a difference in in the way they approach things or. Yeah, it's just kind of rumblings of it now. I think uh, maybe we'll get a little bit here when mini camps kicking up and see what they're doing and what the front looks like because they're you know they're talking about maybe doing like a three four look and stuff. Um, so yeah, there's a lot to take in here once uh, you know mandatory mini camp hits and, and to see what where they're lining these guys up and stuff. And yeah, I, that's a that's a defense I'm very interested to see what the what the rumblings are coming out of out of Seattle um, for sure. And, and I want to see what their what the what the heat check is on him too. You know. Yeah, Kyle, let me uh, – two final quick questions on, on the D-line. Is there sure. one other guy, whether it's some of those other guys that went in day two, uh, Drake Jackson uh, to San Francisco, Sam Williams to Dallas, Nick Benito to Denver, or maybe somebody else who's even a little bit further down. Is there one other name you know, from that edge group that, that you're most intrigued with? And then for some people who might be listening to this who do play, you know, in those defensive tackle premium leagues, maybe just share your thoughts on um, my guess is it's one of the Georgia guys, but maybe have a curveball. Uh, is there <laughs> one guy that you clearly prefer, you know, at the top of, you know, of the defensive tackle group uh, for, for so, those people that may be playing some of those DT premium leagues? Yeah, for sure, man. Uh, I, the one edge guy that I'm grabbing late in all my drafts, I, I have a lot of shares is uh, Sam Williams from Dallas. Um I, I like the play. He's electric off the edge. He he ran like a four four seven forty. Uh, he's got the size speed combo, and I think, um, you know, you got Demarcus Lawrence, and then opposite of him, you know, Randy Gregory signed and then left for Denver. So you know, you got Dorrance Armstrong, who's he, he showed up at the end of the last year, and then they have Dante Fowler, who's you know he didn't work in Atlanta. Is he going to work in Dallas? I, I don't really know. Don't don't expect a whole lot. I think uh, Sam Williams could be a guy that gets in there as like a pin your ears back and just let him go after the quarterback type guy as a rookie because that's what he does best. You know, as a run defender, he's a little inconsistent. Um, you know, I thought sometimes effort against the run wasn't always what you'd hope for. But, I mean, as far as, as explosive, explosiveness off the snap and speed to get up, get up field and push the pocket, I think he could work his way into like that situational pass rusher. So, and then maybe his role grows a little bit down the road, you know. So he's a guy I'm grabbing late in all my drafts. And, and I do like Drake Jackson as well in San Francisco. Um, they're very high on him. And, I mean, it does not hurt if Nick Bose is opposite you. And, and you know, if they kick Eric and Armstead inside, and, you know, and uh, it, it could be a nice D-line. And I know they like Drake Jackson. I actually saw one of their scouts said he thought he had the best bend of the entire edge class. And uh, they, they really liked what, what he can bring. So, but, yeah, Williams has been my guy late for sure. And then uh... – you have a preference between the big boys in the in the interior there from Georgia? Oh yeah, pick one. Uh, I, I'm a Devonte Wyatt guy. Uh, you know, I, I, lo- I love Jordan Davis. He, he's a phenomenal athlete for a size. The guy, a man that big to move like that's insane. <laughs> but uh, and he's gonna be great. But he's gonna he's gonna be eating inside doubles. You know, and uh, he's gonna be taking up space. And he'll get his. But Devonte Wyatt to me is just an awesome gap penetrating defensive tackle who's gonna he's gonna create disruption. Green Bay's gonna shift him along the front. And, and I like his ability to, uh, you know, get you some some impact plays behind the line in those DT premium leagues. Um, yeah, I, I really love what he does as a three-tech, and I think he's going to bounce around a little bit. I don't think he's going to spend a ton of time at nose, and, and they want to free him up away from those inside doubles and uh, let him let him pester guards all day one-on-one and, and get after it. So, And sometimes these DT guys, you know, fall a little bit further <laughs> than they should in these IDP drafts. Yeah. I know yeah. a couple of years ago, Christian Wilkins fell to like the last round and look at the play he's turned into. Right. right. You can make the yeah. case that Devontae Wyatt is, is just as talented, if not yeah. more talented than what Christian Wilkins was coming out. So I think sometimes those penetrating pre-techs that have seven, eight sack potential, you yeah. know, get slept on a little bit, you know, in, in these things. And, and listen, I don't think anyone's going to become the next Aaron Donald. He's an right. outlier, but 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 it still shows you there yeah. can still be you know production from a defensive tackle, and sometimes they they get lost in the shuffle. That you know once we start getting past like the guys in the top couple of rounds from the the true edge guys, you know I think sometimes like if you told me I got to take you know one of the Arizona edge guys 
yeah. or you take Devonte Wyatt. I'm personally, I'm pivoting to Wyatt. I just think the ceiling yeah. is higher, you know, than Cameron Thomas or you know, my Jay Sanders or somebody like that. So I think mm-hmm. sometimes people just get a little bit too gun shy about defensive tackles, even even in ran, even in leagues that aren't DT premium. I mean, DT right. premium. I'm sure they're going ahead of those guys. But I think when it's not DT premium, people kind of just forget about them all. And there, yeah. I think there does come a point where they're decent value compared to how far maybe, you know, it's gone now on the, on the DN or edge group. Jeff, you want to kind of transition over to linebacker and, and kind of start that process. And, you know, I think, it, I think it's an interesting linebacker group this year. I, I don't yeah. think it has what we usually expect. Yeah. And, you know, I think um, right off the top, you know, tell me if you have it any different, but, you know, I think Devin Lloyd has been, you know, everybody's number one, it's just mm-hmm. it's a mix between what we thought pre-draft, a landing spot, a scheme that's going to feature him and let him run around, make tackles and splash plays, you know, mm-hmm. blitzing, pass rushing, um, kind of feature what we think he's going to really be good at. So um, I guess, you know, a big question there is, you know, if you want to go any depth, you know, any detail of, you know, maybe what you see his ceiling could be, um, you know, do you see some like a guy that, you know, like. Devin White or, um, you know, is that too high of expectations or, you know, and I guess the other thing would be how far between, you know, how far behind him do you have Quay Walker? Cause he's the one who'd round out my tier one, but in a, but clearly, clearly behind Lloyd. Yeah, no, it's, uh, um, I, sorry if I missed part of the question, my, internet glitch there for a second um but uh yeah i i have devin lloyd i have i agree with you there's a little bit of distance there uh between quay walker i like lloyd um his i like the the system fit for him with mike caldwell in jacksonville um and i think he's a player you can get super uh creative with because he's such an impact player um at every level you know um against the run in the box he's stout and then he's a good blitzer from the inside and off the edge i mean you watched um like i watched the stanford game i thought his game against stanford as as a box defender was just some of the best linebacker play i watched and then the next game i watched against usc he's out and lined up in a wide nine you know guns a blazing off the edge Uh, and he did okay held his own there even you know um not necessarily something you want him to do a ton but just that he can do a lot of things and he's a He's got a pretty good feel. He moves pretty well, you know, and uh, he, he drops his own coverage. He, he gets in the way and gets in passing lanes. And I think he, you know, he can hold up fair enough in coverage as well. And um, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I think he, you know, in the, in the article I wrote, I think he, he has potential to be one of those set it and forget it linebackers uh, for a while. You know, he, he I, it just, he does everything well. And like I said, each phase of the game, he can, he can stay out there and he can impact the game. And um, yeah, I, I'm really excited about Devin Lloyd and I like his, his fit in Jacksonville. Um, yeah. And, and did you, well, I guess a big question then is, you know, I wanted to kind of dig in, in my notes here of, um, you know, Quay Walker, right. Because, yeah. you know, I think um, going in pre-draft, he just got a ton of steam. We, we heard a lot yeah. about him potentially going, you know, as early or earlier than his teammates, mm-hmm. right? And um, yeah, yeah, you know, taking first linebacker off the board, but but runs into a situation in Green Bay where they just paid Devondre Campbell mm. a big bag of money for five years, and you know one of the one of the intricacies of IDP is understanding the scheme that these players are going into, right? Green Bay is such a dime heavy scheme that, yep. you know, I mean, people think of four three, you know defenses or three, four defenses, and they pencil in, you know, two inside linebackers. Um, But when, you know, you go through so many sub packages and, and you, you know, your second linebacker plays 60, 70% of snaps, maybe like, you know, do we think that Quay Walker is good enough to make them shift their defensive philosophy or push Devondre Campbell out? Or are we going to be waiting a little while? Um, You know, it's, you know, the, the fact, like you, like you said, that Green Bay plays a ton of dime looks and a lot of single linebacker. Um, they have traditionally. Um, I'm a Green Bay fan, and uh, to say I was surprised at the Quay Walker pick at 22 would be an understatement. <laughs> um, and it's not that I didn't like Quay Walker; it's just not what I saw them doing. But and then after, immediately after the pick, the next day at, at Brian Gutekunst's um, presser, he talked about 
how they saw Quay Walker giving them the ability to stay in base and nickel more and Joe Barry wanting to sub less. And they thought Quay Walker gives them that flexibility because um, they think he can hold up. I mean, this is all projecting him transitioning well to the NFL and picking up the scheme and all that, right? But they feel he can stay on the field and passing downs. They like him as a blitzer. And, um, you know, he's got the size, the length, the speed, the range. And they feel he gives them the flexibility to stay there in base and stay in nickel, which gives them, you know, they can disguise coverages better because they're not subbing all the time. And it's something Joe Barry wants to do. And it's it's odd because, you know, um, adding linebackers isn't a thing now. And that's kind of what Green Bay is talking about doing. So it's it's kind of something they used to. But everything I'm reading, it, it feels like that is the trend that they're trying to do here is to – is to play more two linebackers. Um, and I look at their personnel and, you know, Jair Alexander's coming back. Eric Stokes played well as a rookie um, and they paid Rasul Douglas well. And he was awesome. He was a great uh, October pickup for him. So they got the, you know, bringing Rasul Douglas back and they have those three corners and that they're talking Jair Alexander's going to see some time in the slot, which I, I really like that. It makes sense to move him around. So that's it just sounds like a nickel, you know, a really nice nickel formation there. If they feel Quay Walker can hold up with those three corners because they don't have their third safety is, you know, we're talking like Sean Davis and Vernon Scott, Enos Gaines guys. You don't really want out there. You know, if Quay Walker can hold down and, and play, uh, you know, passing downs well and, and utilize as a blitzer and take a little pressure off Devondre against tight ends and stuff. Um, it, to me, it, they're saying everything to make me feel like that LB two role is growing in green Bay. And they, that's why if you spend that 22nd pick on Walker and you're saying all this, man, I really hope that's the case because it's got to be right. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it, it just, it, it feels to me like I, in the article I wrote, um, I, I could see a 70 to 75% snap range for Walker if all goes well with him transitioning to the NFL smoothly, which is a tough ask for anybody. Um, but I, I, I just, it, it seems like everything to me that they, they want to, they'd love what he brings to that defense to, to stay in base and nickel more and decide, you know, disguise their, their different looks in their, in their uh, coverages and, and everything. So, and it, it'll help them against the run because it, you know, it, they could, they could use a little, a uh, little oomph against the run to it. It's pretty up and down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Quay Walker was a guy that, you know, he started the process as a mid second rounder. Then he was yeah. in the team. You know, he was a guy I know the Giants were looking at early second round. And then, you know, obviously the first round buds. And that kind of leads into the next guy. Like, obviously, pre-draft, N'Kobe Dean was near the top of most people's linebacker ranks, whether it was him, whether it was Devin Lloyd, whether it was both of them. For most people, we're at one, two. And then, you know, some people really start digging into Quay Walker more. And they're like, I think Mm -hmm. Quay Walker transitions better. And, you know, and then N'Kobe Dean has the free fall that he does to, you know, what is it, mid to late round three. And there's a lot of injury concerns and the, and the durability and size concerns. And I think from what I've gathered, you know, from, from reading a lot of IDP stuff, it sure sounds like Nicobe Dean and Troy Anderson kind of make up the next linebacker, you know, mini tier, I guess you could extend it out a little bit more to the other day two guys, but it seems like the guys that, that come off the board next and pretty close to each other. Uh, but before that next group of guys is Dean and Troy Anderson how do you kind of view those guys? Do you skew more towards obviously major college, great college production, or, you know, and then on the flip side, there's the draft capital of round two, really high pick. Uh, it sounds like Deion Jones is not going to be there by the time the season mm-hmm. starts for, you know, the writings on the wall there. So a lot of immediate opportunity, but obviously at the same time coming from a smaller school, you know, you know, less competition. Yeah. How do you kind of sort those guys? Would you take <laughs> Dean over Anderson? Would you, and are you basing it more on pre-draft or do you still think even with the, the, the lower draft capital and the durability concerns, you still would rather make the investment in Dean? Yeah, um, I, I I definitely I have Dean in as far as what I've seen in drafts and where I have them, I have Dean and Walker going pretty close to each other. Okay. I think I, that's how I have it. I I really like Nicobe Dean as a talent. Um, definitely the injury concerns when you have a, a smaller linebacker that lacks length uh, with pec you know shoulder concerns, and you know I think that had a lot to do with him slipping and him opting not to have surgery. And you know I no idea how NFL teams probably it varies staff to staff how they view that. I have no idea. I'm just you know, it likely made him fall, you know, and, um, you know, that's a worry with him for sure. I, I want to see, make sure he's healthy and all. I do think 
Uh, I, I err on the side of caution with Dean as far as playing time early on because I think TJ Edwards and um, uh, Kaiser White, who they just brought over, would you know they're, they're fine. You know, Kaiser White had a great year last year. Um, he's he's going to be fine in Philly. And TJ Edwards held it down. You know that Mike linebacker role towards the end of the year. So I kind of. I would think they would lean with those guys, you know, barring Nicobe Dean being fully healthy and just showing up and, and being a guy they can't keep off the field. Um, so I think, you know, maybe he, I could see his role growing, but I don't, I'm not expecting a huge role right away, but I do think he could be the man in Philly down the road. I, but he brings, um, you know, as far as a run and chase tackler. And I, I liked, I liked his coverage ability and his, his timing as a blitzer inside is just fantastic. I love watching it. He just, he has such a really good, like just a little delay and then explode. He just, he, he's a really fun player. And I, I think he, you know, he does have the, you know, the size concern and lack of length. I mean, he, it's a line get into him. He's, he's going to struggle. So he's got to get crafty and you got to beat him to a spot and you got to slip and, you know, you got to get crafty. So he's going to have to do that. But I think the ceiling's high with Dean. If, if, you know, the injury concerns dropped him, and, and I think that Philly got a great value getting him in the third round. He's a really good player. Um, I really like Trey Anderson as well. <clears throat> um, he's a super fun watch. I mean, the guy, you know, he what six, three, six, four, two forty, and he runs a four, three forty. The the size speed combo is insane. He's a former quarterback running back and you watch him play. You know, I know it's Montana state, but he stands out and he has to, right. If you're going to be looking at a guy in the second round and, and watching, if seeing him transition the NFL, he better stand out at Montana state. And when I watched the games, he just, you know, there was stretches where he was, he was just a problem man, coming off the edge as a blitzer and inside tracking guys down. And, um, you know, there was, there was some times in coverage. It was the South Dakota state game. I watched a couple of times because their tight ends really good. His name always escapes me, but his tight end was really good. Um, and he gave him fits. Um, you know, he, he didn't always Anderson kind of struggled to pick up the route that he was seeing. He, he kind of get him on some out routes and stuff, but there were some times where he came up like a false step up on a route and recovered super fast to gain depth and zone. And so you kind of see those flashes with him, and he's got those long arms, that big build. And it's just the transition from Montana state, the NFL could be, you know, it, it could take a little longer than we like, or maybe he, maybe he's a quick study. You know, he's probably a smart dude. If he was playing quarterback and transitional linebacker and had a ton of tackles. So, um, I, I really like Trey Anderson. I I've grabbed, I've, I've drafted him, uh, in quite a few spots and, you know, that Atlanta linebacker room, like, like you said, Paul, uh, Deion Jones' time looks to be up pretty much in Atlanta. Um, you know, Rashawn Evans, uh, he's a Dean Pease guy, you know, from before in Tennessee. So I could see him, you know, getting a role early. And, you know, you, you got to probably side with a guy like Michael Walker who knows the system early while Anderson develops. But, you know, if he can't push those guys at some point in the season to get in that crack, that rotation, then, you know, maybe towards the end of the year or whatever, you know, I'd maybe worry a little bit, but. I mean, I just kind of tempered expectations with him as a rookie because it's a big jump for, for a guy like Anderson, a position change and a you know FCS school. But uh, he's exciting. I think he's the future there in Atlanta. I, I really do. Yeah, well, I mean, it's always good to to kind of <laughs> – I'm one of those people as well just say, like, hold on, temper expectations a little yeah, bit. Because, yeah, for uh, sure. You know, we got, we got a little bit overexcited, you know, from last year's class with uh, – David Collins. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Jamin Davis and – yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's just not how the NFL operates. Yeah. You know, they don't operate like your fantasy leagues. They want depth. They want to bring these, you know, you know, these young rookies along. They they know they can't just step in day one. You know, no, but not everyone's Micah Parsons, right? right. Even Micah oh, Parsons, yeah. you know, made a an impact as, you know, a talented player and and extremely, you know, you know, talented athlete. But mm -hmm. but again, you know, I think, you know, it's not like he had the you know responsibilities for running the defense you know right. for example yeah. and that's, you, yep. you oftentimes see that and mm -hmm. you know if Deion Jones is really out the door you know that next line by linebacker might have to do that in Atlanta and mm -hmm. you know it's like you say being a Dean Pease guy that you know that might just be Evans and mm -hmm. uh, you know a little bit back and forth there with uh, you know just being a little less you know it's it's hard to crack crack the lineup and get snaps yeah. year one, but that's definitely what you want to see, you know, for you know projecting out future IDP set success. That way, they don't kind of get buried. Um, yeah, you know, and and I guess like you know that can help us transition. You know, there's in my mind, you know, a little bit of another break. I don't know if I want to call it a full tear down or it's definitely 
you know, at least a, a bit of a step, but, um, you know, Christian Harris, Channing Tindall, Leo Chanel, and then everybody's sort of pre-draft favorite with, with Chad Muma. I mean, yeah. you know, some have, you know, Harris has that opportunity in Houston. I, I mean, you know, there's guys there, you know, they've played before, you know, they've <laughs> made their tackles, but, yeah. but again, you know, he, he should, we, we would hope coming from Alabama that he's got an opportunity to push those, those, those guys for playing time. Um, but, you know, pre-draft, I think people were more excited about guys like Tyndall and Chanel. And I guess I wonder, you know, do you have a favorite of that bunch? Is there somebody that you're targeting, you know, in my drafts, you know, these guys are, are kind of, you know, towards the end of that end of the draft, you know, if it was like six rounds or so, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure they get scooped up at, you know, in this, you know, in a seventh round or as priority free agents, you know, at the end of the draft, but, you know, who are you targeting, you know, who, what do you kind of view for them? Yeah. Um, I I've gotten Christian Harris in a few spots. I like his spot in Houston. Um, you know, they bought Kirksey back, um, you know, probably where the dot run the show, but you know, he's made a glass. He gets hurt. I got to experience it one year in green Bay. Um, you know, he held up fairly well last year, but, um, and then, you know, Kimu Gruje Hill last year was, was a really good player for us. IDP, a great pickup. Um, it, you know, it's still probably side with the vets early, but those are, you know, Kirksey's a two-year deal. Uh, Gruje Hill's a one-year deal. And then you got, you know, it, if he can't, if Harris can't beat out the likes of Jalen Reeves, Maven and Neville Hewitt and Blake Cashman and, you know, those types, then if that's a worry. So I, I, I think, you know, he's got a lot more to offer than anybody like, like that. So I could see him making some noise at some point, um, you know, if, if injury were to strike or he just gets in that rotation. Um, he's a run and chase guy and that's what he does. Well, he's got some flaws, you know, they, they all do, but um, that's what he does best. His athleticism pops on tape and, and um, I, I like this, the day two capitals solid in Houston and you know, that it's not a huge roadblock to, to getting some snaps at some point as a rookie. Um, uh, Tyndall as well, Channing Tyndall in Miami, uh, you know, the Josh Boyer defense, you know, Jerome Baker's the, the lead linebacker and that will be two spot isn't necessarily a lead or I mean a full-time role, um, per se, but, um, you know, Landon Roberts is in a big uh, hill to climb for Tyndall. I think he could push him, and, and Tyndall's a guy that could use some experience. So just if he can push Landon Roberts for that LB2 spot and get on the field, I think it's it's going to be a, a huge benefit for him. Because, right, you know, he's got he, – he's he never really started at Georgia. He just – you know, he, but he what he brings is – the dude can hunt down ball carriers and, and he hits with huge power and he's, he's a problem as a blitzer inside and off the edge. And that will try, I think that will transition well with his size and explosiveness. So if he can get on the field and get some experience and push Atlanta Roberts for the LB two, I'd love that as a rookie. And I think he could eventually, you know, if he progresses like we hope, cause he's such a raw player, he could push your own Baker at some point down the road, obviously, you know, once he gets comfortable there in Miami. So it's a nice spot for him as well. And, uh, and uh, just one more guy, I, like you said, Muma. I love Muma. Love them pre-draft. The Jacksonville spot's tough. If he falls in drafts, I'm grabbing him and just stash him because uh, it, it, I I think Jacksonville's going to like the Lloyd Muma pairing once they see them together. So, yeah, I mean, as disappointed as we were in the Muma landing spot, I I could say that even Leo Chanel, who I was a huge Leo Chanel, yeah, me too. Fan, like I me honestly too. thought he could go. I actually wanted the Giants early second yeah, round nice. to think about him. And the fact that I didn't think he was getting that around two. him and Jalen Petru, my two defenders that I thought were legitimate options for the Giants at the top of the second. And yeah. obviously Petru came off the board early and we'll probably talk mm-hmm. about him in a few minutes. Uh, so the landing spot, Chanel, not ideal. They've taken mm-hmm. linebackers each of the last two years. Honestly, on film, I think he's better than Nick Bolton. So maybe down the line, he could kind of, you know, mm-hmm sees that opportunity but as disappointed as i think i was in chanel's landing spot and chamuma's landing spot i am intrigued by some of the day three landing spots i do think there's some listen they're long shots we know that but for yeah. idp leagues for leagues that have taxi squads there's a couple yeah. guys that i'm really intrigued with that i'd love to kind of maybe have you pick one or two that you'd be someone intrigued with in terms of, you know, kind of stashing away. And, you know, my favorite guys, and and I'm interested to see if you have somebody else is I think both the Giants guys, there's a lot of opportunity Mm -hmm. there on that Giants depth chart. I I think Tay Crowder is a guy. I don't think he's going to, I don't think he's long for a starting job. Blake Martinez redid his contract and coming off a major injury. This is the last year for Blake Martinez. So yeah, the Giants might completely revamp the, the inside linebacker position next year. 
But they took Megan McFadden in round five. They took Darian Beavers in round six. Really good collegiate production from both of those guys. I'm intrigued by them. Malcolm Rodriguez, I thought was a guy who could go off late round three, early round four. The Lions inside backer spot is kind of up for the taking there. So, mm-hmm. you know, I know Lance Zerline loved him and some other guys yeah. really were high on Malcolm Rodriguez. And then the Cowboys kind of stashing Damone Clark there. You know, th- mm-hmm. it's probably late in Van Der Esch's last year there in Dallas. And, you mm-hmm. know, they also have Jabril Cox coming back from a major injury. So, like, those are a couple guys that I'm really intrigued with from, from day three. There might be a couple other guys in the mix, too. But any of those guys or anybody else from day three that you think is kind of an intriguing stash that maybe can down the line could develop into some, you know, decent IDP value is maybe like a linebacker three, four type if you have to start a bunch of them, you know, and, and any of these guys pique uh, pick your interest. Yeah, I like a lot of those names too, man. Those were those really solid calls. Um, yeah, I really like uh, your Giants getting Micah McFadden. Uh, it, I, I grab a lot of him. I I really like what he fits. Like if Martinez were to not be healthy, he could fit that you know that guy in the box, a stout run defender. He's a solid blitzer. Uh, he had some nice years at Indiana. Uh, another day th- day three guy that I that I like um, is Brandon Smith in Carolina uh, in the fourth round. I've always been intrigued with Brandon Smith, that five star. Uh, you know, just super high expectations all the way. His career at Penn State was it was up and down. He was asked to do a lot of things there. You know, he played an overhang role, that Sam role at Penn State, which kept him more out in space. So, you know, he blitz off the outside. He had some coverage responsibility. And then he, he played more stacked up this last year. And it was it was a mixed bag of results. You know, his, his instincts weren't always what you had hoped. He wasn't always getting downhill as much as you want for a big thumper of a, a guy that can lay it. He's a big guy, and he's super athletic. A guy his size, he's 6'3", 250. And he just he moves really fluidly for a guy his size too. You know he's not clunky at all, and he's got good speed. Um, if he if if his eyes catch up with his athleticism and him getting comfortable playing in the box, I really like that that spot in Carolina because you know Shaq Thompson would be the guy obviously, and then you got Corey Littleton who's you know his, his struggles these last few years have been pretty rough. And then uh, Damian Wilson um, is the other guy there. I know he's got some legal stuff. I, I really know all the. Um, details on or anything but those would be the two guys he'd be in competition with i guess for that that second spot so he's got a chance if he were to come around you know and really get comfortable playing more stacked up and in the box you know guys are running chase but he's fine and and he's got coverage upside because he moves so well he's got a pretty good feel and zone he can really get in passing lanes and use his length and athleticism to be a problem so he's an interesting guy and i I like like i said mcfadden in that malcolm rodriguez call in in detroit i mean alex anzalone jared davis i mean Derek barnes was pretty rough last year you hope maybe you know he's a rookie maybe he gets a little better this year who knows um, but I mean, that, that group just isn't much. And that was one team I was really eager to see if they added somebody, you know, like all these names we named, like what if, what if uh freaking Chad Muma went there, you know, or something like that, it'd be, it'd be something, but, uh, um, but yeah, so them wait, not taking a guy to the sixth round and taking a guy like Malcolm Rodriguez, who like Paul said, like some people are really high on him and he's a fun player. He, he, you know, he's a shorter, stocky, stout guy, but the dude, He's got speed. He can tackle, and he's he's pretty crafty navigating traffic too. You know, he kind of he he makes his way through pretty well, and um, yeah, it's really interesting because there's opportunity there. So, yeah, the, uh, those are the guys for sure that that I'm interested. in. I like the Damone Clark stash as well. Um, you know, for next year to see if he can come back healthy. So, well, um, I, I mean, I think in overall, like we've got some talent at the top, but it's kind of a down linebacker class. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we got some exciting DBs. So, you know, yeah. if, uh, if Trayvon Walker is is sort of, you know, the most polarizing, most exciting, you know, <laughs> IDP discussion, I think, you know, Kyle Hamilton has to be like right behind him as number two. And, you know, I don't think there's anybody else in a tier with him. It, it, you know, there's no sort of Quay Walker to, you know, the Devin Lloyd for Kyle Hamilton. It's, you know, it's really <laughs> him in my mind. Yeah. You know, and it's just I, I the athletic testing, you know, through some red, through some concerns, um, you know, but him as a playmaker and his recognition that gives him the jump and to go to a place like Baltimore and take advantage of, you know, just, just the system that they're running there. I, I guess the question is, I know people are high on him, just, just how high and, and how high should we be? Cause you know, DB is kind of a mess. You've got a couple top guys. You've got, you've got yeah. your, your Derwin James out there. Um, you know, maybe you're like a, a guy like Jeremy Chin, but, but, you know, oh, 
I think we might have lost Jeff there. Kyle, are you still with me? Yep. Okay. Yep. So yeah. So I, I guess you know uh, how high do you think Kyle Hamilton warrants going? Um, you know, and and just how high do you think his ceiling might be? Yeah, I'm a big Kyle Hamilton fan. I mean, I know there's the the speed concerns because he didn't run this blazing 40, but I mean, the dude's six four, two twenty. He's a big guy, and when you watch him on tape, uh, he covers plenty of ground in my book. Uh, I, I thought I, I think he's a really good player, and I think he could be a big time safety. I, I'm a fade safety guy in general because I think there's always excellent value to be had, but. Um, and I, I struggled where I'm going to take Kyle Hamilton, but if he's slipping to where I'm comfortable, he's my fourth overall IDP of the class, just stacked up together. Um, so that, that's where I'm at with him. I, I think he's a difference making safety, and I'm excited about him. I I like um, what he can do all over, and I, I'm not, I wasn't too concerned about the 40 time um, because on tape he covered ground. It, very well in my book. And I think Baltimore can get super creative with them if they do keep Chuck Clark, which it's, you know, right now they are. And he, he's been running the defense, you know, wearing the dot the last few years. So, you know, obviously he's a player that they hold in high regard. Uh, Marcus Williams, they signed, he's a deep guy. He's holding down the back end. Uh, he's going to play from depth. And if they want to get all three of them on the field together, I don't see how that's a problem at all because Kyle Hamilton can hang out in the box and, and get it done in there. So um, I, I'm excited about Kyle Hamilton. I think he's going to be, I think he could, he could be a, a safety one for a long time. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm very much in line with you that I struggle on how early to make the investment yeah, on the safeties. Tough. That, like, I didn't get Kyle Hamilton in my first one. I, I don't see myself probably getting him in my future uh, rookie drafts coming up with the IDPs in it. But I do really like to attack the next year because mm-hmm. I do think while Hamilton is going where he should, but – he's going so much earlier. I feel like than the next group. And I really yeah. like the next group. I, I I'm a mm-hmm. really big fan of Lewis scene, Jaquan Brisker, who mm-hmm. I think, you know, could have the most production this year, of maybe any mm-hmm. of the, the safeties in terms of, you know, tackle numbers and stuff like that. And then I love Jalen Petrie. I think, mm-hmm. you know, Jalen Petrie is a guy that, you know, he's been compared a lot to the honey badger. He can play that hybrid role. He can play star position. He can play nickel corner, free safety, mm-hmm. whatever you kind of want him to do. You know, I know on, on the previous show, I said scene was my number two. And then Brisker, Petrie kind of flip-flop based on your scoring settings. If it was more of a big play league, I could see somebody saying, I'm going Petrie third, Brisker fourth. If it was flip-flopped, then maybe, you know, uh, more tackle-heavy, Brisker three, Petrie four. Kind of maybe talk us through those guys. Is is, is there you see a lot you see any separation between those guys you think they're all pretty close together if you were going to say go out on a limb and say one of those guys in three years could push Kyle Hamilton for the best IDP safety is there one that you say I could see it potentially down the line from that trio of maybe that's year two um yeah I, I have those guys very close as well and I've taken uh Brisker and seen uh, when they both are on the clock, and then I've I've taken uh, Petre as as well. I have those guys super close. Um, I think Brisker. I I really was a big fan of his. Uh, I think he's excellent in the box. I think he's a really good run defender, and I think he has a prime opportunity in Chicago uh, alongside Eddie Jackson and the rest of that safety group is just uh, you know just guys. Um, and uh, yeah, I, th- I think he he could he he could be the highest scoring rookie safety. You know. It, if Kyle Hamilton, we're not quite sure how they're going to utilize in Baltimore, but I could see Brisker even outscoring him as a rookie. I want Kyle Hamilton ahead of him, but um, and, and I'm excited about Lewisine as well. Man, his, his tape's fun. He, he's he's he, that dude can close in a hurry, man, and he comes up and hits you. He's a lot of fun to watch, and him and Harrison Smith are going to be a fun duo in Minnesota. Uh, he can learn a lot from Harrison Smith. Never hurts to play against play with alongside a guy like that. And Petrie. It, I, is he was such a fun player, player to watch at Baylor. He moved all the way all around that defense. He was such a big piece of it. Um, uh, and Houston, they, that defense needs a guy like that. I think he can play in the slot. He can play strong safety. Um, yeah, they're, I, think, I think they're all really good players. Um, do I think one of them could get to Kyle Hamilton level? I'm not sure. I don't know. Brisker would probably be my pick if I had to pick one. 
And I, I do like the other ones, but but Briscoe. Yeah, I, I think that I think that makes sense, especially since if he might have the most immediate opportunity. Yeah. You know, how does he kind of take that and kind of run with it? Yeah. Is there exactly. anybody? Is there anybody else that you think is close to this scene, Brisker Petrie tier? For me, I saw a little bit of a tier break there before we got to guys like. Brian Cook in Kansas City, who might not immediately get on the field as a, as a heavy percentage player right off the gate. Dax Hill in terms of Cincinnati's got a lot going on back there. And you've got to kind of see how that situation with Jesse Bates plays itself out. Obviously, they're going to use him a lot. He was their first-round pick. Uh, yeah. But exactly what role he plays there I think is unknown. Nick Cross in Indianapolis. Is there anybody else that you kind of put with that scene, Brisker, Petrie tier? Or do you kind of think they're all the next tier? And if so, is there one in particular you like more than the rest? Um, yeah, I think they're all the next here for me. Um, I, you know, I'm a Michigan fan, so I watch a lot of Dax Hill. I really like him as a player. I think he's going to be a really good NFL player, and especially in today's game with such a pass-heavy league, because he can, he can play slot, he can play from depth. You know, he can play outside corner even at times, and he did it all pretty well. He was asked to do a lot at Michigan. Um, IDP wise, what's his role going to be? You know, is he going to play from? Is he going to play deep? You know, we're He's he's not the biggest guy, but he's feisty as hell. He'll come up and run support, and, and he'll hit people. You know, he he's definitely doesn't shy away from contact. So I'm intrigued to see if you know if it sounds like Bates. You know, who we're speculating. It sounds like Bates is not in a great place with Cincinnati. If he takes that role, you know, is he as productive playing that Jesse Bates role as Jesse Bates was? Yes, I think Jesse Bates is a really good player. I'm not sure. You know, so that there's something to be seen there. Um, Brian Cook, you know, he's a box guy. Does he that? Does he take the bull by the horns for the Daniel Sorensen role in, in Kansas City per se and get some time uh, as a rookie and fill that role? It maybe. Um, you know, I'm kind of curious to see how he fits in with the Justin Reed signing and Juan Thornhill being there and, and you know, Legarius Sneed getting moved around and, and all kinds of stuff. But um, uh, it, the guy that I'm taking late and, and waiting for the future is Nick Cross. Uh, late in drafts or maybe undrafted even in your drafts. I, I really liked Nick Cross. Um, I think there's box potential to his game, and I think he he showed some flashes playing from depth. He's, he's got some 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 learning to do as far as like anticipating what he's seeing route wise playing deep. But he wasn't, you know, there's something there, and I I loved his ability to come up from depth and hit people. And Kahari Willis gets dinged up, and I would love to see. Um, Nick Cross play that strong safety role in in Indianapolis. I think he it'd be a really good uh good role for him. I think he could he could flourish if he develops, you know, his game like we hope. And uh Kahari Willis is in the last year of his rookie deal. So, you know, if, if they move on, he could transition into that role. And Nick Cross is a super athletic guy and I think there's a lot of potential there. He's got some like a lot of these guys, you know, he got some progressing to do, but he's my late dart throw guy for sure. Yeah, and, and what's really interesting about Cross is he was a guy who was gaining a lot of momentum pre-draft. Peter Schrager, who really has his pulse a lot on in terms mm-hmm. of guys that yeah. are moving up and down the, the draft board from Good Morning Football. At one point, he had him as like one of his top five biggest risers. There was a lot of talk that he wasn't going to get out of the top 50. And like, yeah. and then yeah. so it was kind of surprising to see him fall a little bit into the third round there uh, when I thought maybe he could have went, you know, 40 50 like mm-hmm. kind of where we sort of like we sort of petri go early second round and then brisker a little bit later there in the middle of the second round like so i thought we could have kind of seen him uh go a little bit earlier so i think that's a really good call and you brought up Kyrie willis like last year of his contract he was only a fourth round pick he's been a good player yeah uh, but yeah. i don't but it, i don't they could easily decide to move on. He's a replaceable player, sure. uh, you know, and, and if, if he prices himself out of what they feel comfortable, he could obviously move on. Uh, so I think that's a really good call. Uh, Kyle, this was, this was fantastic. Um, you know, we went a little longer than, than we promised you, but hopefully you don't mind. Oh, uh, not at all. <laughs> it, was, it was, it was a great time picking your brain. Uh, I really do enjoy when I get a chance to talk about the IDP side of it, because it's just not something we talk a lot about here, but I do enjoy it. I think the, the, differences in rankings and you know scoring and everything makes it really unique you know even from weekly you know idp rankings i'm always fascinated checking out a bunch of places just how different from Mm -hmm. one side to the next could be uh you don't see that much uh, variability i think on the offensive side of the board so it is a really unique thing and you know we were talking before uh you know we went on air all of us that you know, it, it really, there's an edge to be had there on the IDP side of it. And I don't think there's a lot of edges anymore because there's so much great content out there, free, great content, yeah. premium, great content. Uh, but, I, but I do think the IDP side of it, there's a lot of people that, you know, 
maybe just kind of go with like names they know and don't really look to find good resources out there. And I do think there's an edge to be had for people in, in deep IDP league. So it was great to have somebody on who specializes in that to pick your brain on these IDP rookie classes. Thank you so much for, for joining Jeff and I tonight. Uh, please let the audience know uh, where they can find you on Twitter. If you're working on anything else right now, either for the podcast or over at uh, as a writer at over at IDP guys that you want to share, please go ahead. Oh yeah, man. Uh, first off, I want to th- uh, thank you guys for having me on, man. This was, this was great. I, I had a lot of fun hanging with you guys and I certainly appreciate the opportunity. Um, uh, very, very appreciative, man. Um, yeah. So uh, right now I, I did some work on the IDP draft kit with uh, the, uh, the guys from the IDP show and um, a couple of us from IDP guys and then trip from DFF. Um, and uh, that's how it's got rankings. It's got uh, a vacated snap report. It's got uh, sleepers, bus breakouts, all that stuff kind of sets you up for your, your drafts here, uh, you know, redraft dynasty. So I did some work on that. It was a lot of fun. It's a great group of guys, um, great conversation and a lot of fun to work with. And then uh, our, our rookie guides coming out from IDP guys as well here soon. That was a lot of fun writing some profiles and, and, and uh, doing that kind of thing. And um yeah, I, I do a podcast with my buddy Hollywood at IDP Nation. We're both kind of busy right now, so it can be hit and miss, but we usually uh, you know, crack a few beers and, and talk some defense uh, when we get a chance. But, um, yeah, man, it's a busy time of year. I'm trying to write when I can. I, I just did a rookie uh, linebacker article. I would have loved to have write it closer to rookie draft time, peak start there, but I just – busy time of year, and I finally got the time to sit down and grind it out. So that came out. Um, that was a lot of fun to write. And, um, yeah, it, it, from here on out, I'll be kind of doing some rookie drafts, doing some startups because I can't say no, and, uh, you know, <laughs> getting ready for all the mini camp news. And then before you know it, it's training camp, and we're, we're, we're uh, all in, man. So one more time. I mean, I know how much work went into that IDP draft kit. Where, where can people find that? Yeah, if you go to idpguys.org, uh, it's, there's a setup there. You can buy it. I believe it's $19.99, um, and you got full access to everything on the website. Um, you know, all the rankings, dynasty redraft, sleepers, bus breakouts, uh, trip from DFF did a full scheme breakdown of every team, a blurb on every team. It's fantastic. Um, it's trips. One of the best scheme guys. Uh, I know he, he did an awesome job. And then, uh, there's some free agent write-ups, um, the vacated snap report. So you can see where some potential openings could be linebacker, defensive back, defensive line. And, um, yeah, it's just a really good, uh, as our first year doing it. And, uh, I was happy they asked me to, to do, do a small part of it and it, um, Really cool. I, I'm really excited to see how that thing grows. It was a lot of fun and a great group to work with. Guys, make sure you're checking that out. Kyle, let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter so they make sure they follow you and all your great insights, especially on the IDP side. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at KBell54. Uh, always down to talk IDP, uh, football, music, anything just uh, in general. Hit me up anytime. DMs are always open. Uh, always down to help if I can. Absolutely, guys. Make sure you're following Kyle there. Jeff, any final parting thoughts tonight? No, I'm just uh, going to get ready for another IDP draft now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I feel like I'm more ready for my second and third one that are, that are going to be coming up soon uh, for sure. Uh, so, guys, on behalf of Kyle, on behalf of Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.